you're gonna need a bigger boat. No. I am your father. I'm gonna make him an offer, Captain. Life was like a box of chocolates. Wax on, wax off. I see dead people. Here's Johnny. He's a liar. You can't handle the truth. Good morning, Vietnam. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Get away from her, you bitch. Now, sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Cinematic Leap. Hi and welcome to Cinematic Leap, a movie podcast where we apply six degrees of Kevin Bacon style process to select our next movie. Each week we'll watch a movie, provide our review, then take a cinematic leap by selecting an actor, director, crew member within this pod's movie to choose our next movie. As always, I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Michael Thompson. Brother, listen to the ancestors that run. You need to run far. Listen to the truth. Sikilisa. Oh, nice. Yeah. And Glenn Grading. You've just put us both to sleep, Glenn. You've just sent us to the sunken place. What are you doing? <laughs> well, Michael stole mine, so I had to come up with something really quick. <laughs> I, look, I did not steal yours. That was a genius, Glenn. You come well up played, Glenn. <laughs> very, very well played. Uh, and I was also Gentlemen, how are we? One more thing, I'm going to vote for Obama for a third term if I could. <laughs> that was the one I thought one of you would have said. Yeah. Uh, so. Um, yeah, good. Going good. well? Yeah. So, you know, busy weekend. Um, You know, we've just had the, the Goonies go out, so that's how far ahead we are. Mm, yeah, we're um, cracking along. Mm. It's nice to be ahead. Yeah. And uh, we're actually recording a day later on a Monday, which is different for us. Yeah, it's because, like I said, a busy weekend. Yeah. I, had a, I had this. I was videoing a um, a school musical. Um, then on Sunday, I was running the karaoke after party for it, and then later that night, I was doing some nerdy D and D stuff. So yeah, oh, busy, very busy, busy weekend. Oh yeah. I uh, I had a pretty quiet weekend. I did go to the footy on on the Sunday, and then Saturday I pretty much I watched like three movies, some good, some bad. Which, which bad ones did you watch? Of which this was one of them. Uh, not a, not the, the bad three. movies, but it was one of the three. So <laughs> yeah, um, bad one that I watched. I watched um, Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, although that uh-huh. wasn't as bad as I expected. Also watched Halloween Four, which was not bad. So, <clears throat> I imagine you know, interesting because you you there's partially a horror theme there, but Halloween four and Friday the Thirteenth Part Six, I didn't even know I made it to six. Um, there's more. By been, it's about it's about ten, I think. <laughs> way more horror in those than actually in this, in Get Out. Well, yes, we will discuss that, Michael. Of course, we mm. are doing the movie. Sorry, Glenn. How was your weekend? <laughs> actually, you had oh, a shit ass weekend. <laughs> Roof. My roof collapsed, then I ran my friend's car into a kangaroo and broke that. Um, oh, no. <laughs> so, That's right. Sorry, friend. That's right. I knew there was a reason why I was. I shouldn't have gone back to you about asking how you went in. That's sorry, <laughs> Glenn. Not, yeah, let's just skip me um, with that these days. Uh. So, of course, uh, we are doing the 2017 psychological horror film Get Out, written, co-produced and directed by Jordan Peele in his directorial debut. 
Stars Daniel Kaluuya and Alison Williams. Co-stars Little Ray Howery, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Bradley Whitford, Caleb Landry-Jones, Stephen Root, and Catherine Keener, who was our leaper. Mm. This movie had a budget of $4.5 million, made $255.4 million, so it did quite well. Um, and this was a movie that critics actually loved. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, they did. Um, especially um, they loved uh, what Jordan Peele did. Jo- uh, I've got one here, Richard Roper, gave it three and a half stars. I'm assuming he had a four. Uh, saying the real star of this film is writer-director Jordan Peele, who has created a work that addresses the myriad levels of racism, pays homage to some great horror films, carves out its own creative path, and has a visual distinctive visual. Oh, sorry, it has a distinctive visual style, and mm. it's flat out funny as well. Uh, yep. There was another good one, uh, which praised uh, oh, praised the movie. Keith Phillips of Uprocks praised the cast and Peele's direction, saying. That he brings the technical skill of a practice horror master is more of a surprise. The final thrill out of Get Out, beyond the slow-building sense of danger and unsettling atmosphere and the twisty revelation of what's really going on, is that Peel is just getting started. Um, not all positive, though. Uh, there was a guy, what's his name? Uh, Armand, Armand White uh, referred to the film as, as a Get Whitey movie stating that it reduces racial politics to trite horror comedy. It's an Obama movie for Tarantino fans, which I actually don't understand what that last line means. But Yeah, he sounds a little bit jaded. Um, yeah, well, maybe, he's a, ourselves. maybe he's an Oscar critic, um, Oscar voter, because there's some controversy with this movie. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has an average score of 8.3 out of 10 with a 98% approval rating. IMDb, 7.8 out of 10 and Metacritic 85 out of 100 based on 48 critic scores. Though interestingly, the user score on Metacritic is 7.5 from 1,600 reviews. Um, this yeah, movie, I can see that. Yeah, this movie was nominated for four Academy Awards, uh, Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, and Best Original Screenplay, uh, obviously with Jordan Peele being Best Director. And he becomes just the third person behind Warren Beatty and James L. Brooks to be nominated for Best Director, Best Picture and Best Original Screenplay for a directorial debut. Uh, Something to add to that directorial debut. Um, Due to his success of the film, Jordan Peele became the first African-American writer, producer and director to earn more than $100 in a debut film. Hmm. um, Peele, it did win. It won an Oscar. It won for Best Original Screenplay, becoming Mm -hmm. the first African-American man to do so. Um, it lost out of Shape of Water. Sorry, lost out to Shape of Water, which I haven't seen for Best Picture. No. Uh, Guillermo del Toro for Shape of Water for Best Director, mm-hmm. and Daniel Kaluuya lost to Gary Oldman uh, in the movie Darkest Hour for Best Actor. Well, I mean, Gary Oldman hard to go against that guy. No, he's pretty solid. Mm. Um, there was some controversy with the voting, with many older members dismissing it or choosing not to see it at all. Uh, really? And many newer voting members said they ran into interference from more than from the more senior members when it came to evaluate the film as best picture. So, it'd be interesting mm. to know why. Whether it's because it's a horror film, um, and they traditionally haven't done a lot of horror films, or it might be it's just because really. it's I, I agree. well, it's clearly we'll, you know, we'll I mean, like, I don't know clearly, but the um, the underlying thematic part of this film is. 
the systemic racism that mm. kind of like you know occurs within American society. Yeah. So, and who are the yeah. older members of the uh, Oscar voting? Old yeah, white guys. You, you liberal old <laughs> white guys. <laughs> Uh, interestingly, this was also nominated for two Golden Globes, uh, Best Motion Picture in a Musical Comedy and Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy. They have some weird mm. categories there, don't they? Yeah, like, so it's basically leveraging off the fact it was advertised as a satirical horror film, um, although Universal mm. Pictures submitted it under that category as there was less competition. There you go. Yeah. Um, now, it's like, you know, it's hard to, like, you know, thinking of debut directors, um, you know, this is Jordan Peele's debut, and it's hmm. it's pretty rock solid. Um, and then you you know you think back to um, well, I certainly thought back like to Knock Knock um, and Eli Roth's debut, and I thought, well, this is this is how a debut movie should be done. Whereas Knock Knock still deserves hmm. a zero. Um, that was that so, wasn't his first movie, was it? I'm pretty sure it was as a director. I thought it was like I thought he was well into. He's like he's by then. been done films and stuff like that, but I think, um, I mean, I might be, I could be wrong. Um, I don't know. Oh, short, short. I thought he did a bunch say. of horror, torture horror stuff before that. Yeah, like Hostel. Did he? Because he yeah. did the Hostel movies, didn't he? Well, um, producer. Yeah. It's it. It's interesting though that it is classed as a horror. His second, film. that was his second movie, Hostel. Second, well, even then, oh. Oh, like you know, Lucky made a third. Oh yeah, Hostel. Well, maybe he's done two. a few, but any still, it's you know, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's interesting they refer to this as a horror film. I wouldn't have thought this is in the horror genre at all. No. If, if they said psychological thriller, you yeah. could probably argue that point. Um, but I wonder if this is sort of in that Silence of the Lambs sort of category where you could class it i guess technically as horror but it is more that thriller like silence of the lamb there's not a lot of horror moments in that movie there's certainly not mm. a lot in this movie i um, suppose it's like it it's stuff with your head with your fears yeah it messes with your head this movie at different times but i wouldn't have mm. thought it's a horror movie yep so but anyway uh all right glenn you chose Catherine keener as our leaper why did yes. you choose Catherine? Well, she was in this movie, which is a pretty good movie. And um, if this wasn't going to be chosen, there's, she's in a lot of other good movies as well. So um, I was pretty confident we'd get to something that we would enjoy and dis enjoy discussing. Um, I I was kind of hoping for being John Malkovich, but I just knew it wouldn't happen with you guys. Um, <clears throat> but uh, <laughs> this is a, also a good choice, and um, she's yeah a good actor in a lot of good a lot of good and different films. And yep. yeah, my leapers lately, I seem to be choosing people just because I often can't choose where you guys are going to, well, I often can choose where you're going to go. So I often pick something that just has a good range of films that I don't know what you will pick and I like to be surprised. So yeah. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, Michael, you chose this movie. I do. Uh, which is an odd one because you aren't really a horror, as we said, this isn't really a horror, but you're not really a horror thriller fan. Mm -hmm. Why'd you choose this? Um, I guess because I had seen it. Like, uh, it's funny enough, I'd, I hadn't, because it was a horror, like, you know, built as a horror. I was never planning to see it. Like, you know, I was like, nope, probably not going to see it. Um, and in a, I guess in a moment of student agency, I've gone, hey, kids, what do you want to watch as your your film? 
And, um, yeah, they've gone, yeah, we'll do Get Out and we'll do Remember the Titans because they've made a group decision, like, you know. (laughs) I mean, that we had to distill it down, but they chose racism and within that. So, um, they're the two films we did. Um, so I've watched it since that, you know, like at that time. Um, and I thought, yeah, it's probably, you know, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, having watched it and gone, this is an horror. This is like a psychological thriller. Um, and yeah, even then, but it's interesting. There's a lot of kind of cool stuff to talk about with this film. Yeah. Um, unlike, you know, other films. Hmm. So I think this is, there's lots of layers in here. It's like, it's a deep, well-written script. And I think, um, you know, the fact that it's only got one Oscar, like, you know, awarded to it is probably, you know, a bit rough because like there's some, some other cool things in there. Like, you know, there's so much cool mise-en-scene stuff, mise-en-scene stuff that's worth noting, yep. which we'll talk well, about later. I'm already looking forward to the notable aspects, Michael, because I mm. feel that you're going to take control. I mean, Glenn yeah. can just sit back and relax for a bit. <laughs> Um, Glenn, what were your thoughts when Michael had picked this? Yeah, I was excited, I guess. I mean, I always like watching stuff I haven't seen, which I've done a lot recently um, for the podcast. But um, this one I had seen recently, I guess, a few years ago. And um, I really, I remember really liking it. Um, so, yeah, I was happy to watch it again. And I forced Anna to watch with me because she didn't watch it last time because she's like, I don't like horror. But I managed to convince not her horror. it's not horror. Mm. It's not horror. No, it's not horror. So, yeah, mm. she, she, got, she got through it. No worries. Um yeah, so those people that enjoy hate horrors, you should watch it. Yeah, she did. I think she did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she did. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, um, yeah. I was actually pretty happy when you chose this. I only watched this a few months ago. Uh, I don't know how I'd sort of missed it. It had been one that I'd sort of been looking at for a while. But, um, yeah, probably watched it yeah, for a couple of months ago f- for the first time and really enjoyed it. Um, so I was, when you chose this, I was actually happy because I thought I wouldn't mind watching that again mm. because I've listened to another podcast about this movie and um, I'd done it. I'd sort of, you know, looked at the trivia at the time and, yeah, there's some interesting facts about it and um, watching it a second time, I, <clears throat> I actually found it more enjoyable because you know what's going to happen but you can pick. It's like any of those sort of movies with a, with a nice twist at the end. You can sort of start to try and piece it together, see how early you can sort of try and piece it together and, um, yeah, I think this one actually hit it really well. I mean, there's some moments which I'm sure we'll talk about as we go through the synopsis, but, yeah, they actually hit it really well. So it was nice going back and watching it and looking at all those different aspects. So, Yeah, yeah it was interesting right, watching well. it with, with – um, sorry, it was interesting watching it with Anna because she hadn't seen it before. So from her, she was like, I have no idea what's going on. And, you know, you're just watching going, oh, I'm enjoying this. And she's like, what? I don't well, get I'm it. Why, <laughs> why did yeah. they all just stop talking when he went upstairs and, you know, <laughs> things like that. Mm. And, um, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Hmm. No, all good. Michael, without further ado, play the trailer. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's... Blackman. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bruh. Meeting families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, you got your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys coming up from the city? Yeah, we're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this, this thing? <laughs> <laughs> we 
We hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. Do you smoke in front of my daughter? I'm gonna quit. She'd take care of that for you. How? Hypnosis. I'm good, actually. Are you ready for this? I'm back in the beat. So look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see no brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Bros, we gotta go. Is everything okay? Bros, the keys. Just get the keys. I don't know where they are. Rose! Sink into the floor. Wait, 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 wait. Sink. Mom, it's a terrible thing to waste. Terrible thing to waste. If there's too many white people, I get nervous. All right, Michael, you'll be doing the synopsis tonight. Um, now, as always, there will be spoilers, and this one has certainly got a couple of big spoilers in it. So uh, if you haven't seen the movie, go away, watch it, come back, listen to our scintillating podcast review, and I'm sure. Even if you don't like, yeah. ho- even if you don't like horror, no, don't watch t- it. Yeah, that's not a horror. It's t- totally yeah, fine. Not a horror. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, tonight's uh, synopsis is brought to you by IMDb. Because Wiki was just a yeah, little well, bit. It's short. funny. I was listening to the Goonies uh, pod. Sorry, Michael interrupted, but um, <coughs> today just to mm. make sure that it sounded right, and um, you just cracked at me because I was reading through the synopsis and I went from one part to another, and you said you've missed out half the movie. And I was like, I didn't choose this, and I didn't make the synopsis. <laughs> but yeah, it was like two paragraphs, <laughs> and they basically yeah, chopped out a mm. massive chunk of the movie. Yep, and it's like suddenly we suddenly we're in there, like you know we've gone from like you know, they've just gone underground. Yeah, now, pretty much. Like, it. There's a lot of stuff in there between. <laughs> Anyway. Yeah. Okay, in the opening scene, a young black man named Andre is walking alone at night through a perfectly manicured suburban street. A little sports car pulls up and starts slowly tracking him. Andre gets spooked and says, fuck this shit, and changes direction to briskly walk back the way he came. When he turns to see what the car did, he sees it's parked where it is, but the door is open. From out of nowhere, a man in a medieval helmet attacks Andre, rending him unconscious, and drags his body to the car. I figured he was actually injected him because, like, he's holding it and, like, yeah, I thought he was going for a chokehold, but, but he... No, I, I think it's, it's the chokehold. It's the MMA, which he actually, right. later on in the movie, right. he, he goes to put it on to um, mm. Chris. Yeah, that's true. But I do love it's that moment where he, he goes, oh, fuck <clears> it, and he walks away and then he turns around and he sees the car and the car door's open and there's no one in the car and you just, like, yeah. go, oh, shit. Yep. Yeah, and, and this is bang. the first scene, and, yeah. and and this is like I've just told her now this isn't a horror, and then the first scene is like very horror setup. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that was all in one yeah. one shot too. I think like you know you kind of work with him, and then you follow him around, and then the camera like comes around, and then we see back onto the um and onto the car, and it's like that's I think that's where we get our first cut. Like it's that yeah. kind of it's really nice. This synopsis, um, Michael, so far. I, and so, like, actually, oh, sorry, go. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, the synopsis so far, you're 
literally going scene by scene, action by action. And I mean, yeah. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> There's some really One cool stuff in it. Is, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, it's interesting, like, because, like, he's dragged in the car, but then there's actually, like, a, there's a song where we actually hear... Run, um, run, run, and it's it? Probably, it's not mentioned that... No, well, that's the that's in the, the actual... That's the song coming from the car. Um, but then there's the the driving part, um, which is where we hear... Um, yeah, uh, the Siki song. Um, oh, and that's that's yeah. why the Golden Globes um, call it a musical. And that's actually, <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, but the yeah, and, I, and that was my quote was like, "Brother, listen to the ancestors. Run. You need to run far. Listen to the truth, brother. Listen to the ancestors. Run, run to save yourself. Listen to the ancestors." Um, so that's the lyrics that you know are in Swahili, um, and we see that like over the title sequence, and then we get to the next part. But um, it's it's interesting. That's part of the mm. the message, and like you know, I suppose that implies that we're traveling out of town. Um, you know, who knows what the choice was? I guess it's the and it's that link between you know, run rabbit run into you know. Um, Tell you uh, what, Chris, if you, if you lived in a Swahili speaking country, you've just ruined the movie. <laughs> <laughs> or have you? Um, so Rose arrives at her boyfriend, uh, photographer boyfriend Chris's um, place, uh, played by Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya? Kaluuya. Um, apartment with pastries and coffee. They're getting ready to go away for the weekend to visit her family, and he's concerned they don't know um, she's dating a black guy. She assures him that while they um, will likely say some stupid things, they are incredibly progressive. Her dad would have even voted for Obama a third time if he could have. Uh, Chris asks if he's the only black child she's ever dated, and she says he is, but she's confident that her parents will be totally cool. Um, like this is where her character is actually mm. quite warm. It's really good. Um, on a ride to the parents' home, Chris goes for a cigarette. Rose takes it and throws it out of the window, warning that her parents will hate that she dates a smoker. Chris calls his buddy Rod, a TSA agent at the local airport. Um, and reminds him to take care of his dog and not to feed him people food. Rod disapprovingly, disapprovingly, Chris stating that a white woman berates him and says um, visiting the white folk is a bad idea. He also flirts a bit with Rose, and Rose thinks it's sweet when Chris gets a bit jealous. While they're deep in conversation and not entirely paying attention to the road, a deeper a deer darts out in front of the car and is hit, or a black buck, <clears throat> as the website called it. Um. They pull over to investigate and they call the police and who asks what they were doing in the area. Rose tells them they're moving, uh, they're visiting her family who live nearby. The officer asks to see Chris's ID, but Rose steps in and challenges and says that because he wasn't driving, there's no need for that. The officer lets him go and Chris tells Rose that it's not, uh, was hot the way she stood up for him against the racist policeman. Mm. Or the white privileged policeman, yeah. Um, now, it's a, come back to that moment. It's mm-hmm. an important part later on. Um... Chris and Rose arrive at her parents' home. Uh, her father, Dean Armitage, is an affable neurosurgeon who yells, uh, yes, who, yes, tells Chris that he would have voted for Obama <laughs> for a third time if he could have. Um, her mother, Missy, uh, played okay. by the, yeah, um, and like presence, that was really good, um, is a strangely cold hypnotherapist or psychiatrist, actually. Um, she offers to cure Chris of his nicotine addiction through hypnosis, but he doesn't feel cool with people tooling around with his head. Right. Uh, the Armitage is a wise have... man. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The Armitages have also uh, have two on-site black helpers, uh, Walter, played by Marcus Henderson, and the groundskeeper, um, 
Oh, the groundskeeper, and Georgina, Betty Gabrielle, and the maid housekeeper. Deanie acknowledges that it looks bad. Two wealthy white people have um, two helpers who are black, uh, but they are hired to take care of his parents, and Dean would have felt bad letting them go. There's definitely something off about Walter and Georgina. They have a definite stiff um, Stepford artificial flatness about them. They also both speak using dated mm. vernacular. Hmm. Sinisterness. Dated vernacular. Um... <laughs> Dean gives Chris a tour of the house and shows him his old family photos. Dean claims that his father was a track runner who was beat out by Jesse Owens to compete in the 1936 Olympics in front of Hitler. And while that was sad for his dad, it was still great to have um, Hitler's Aryan idealism proven wrong. There are also photos of Rose's brother who will be joining them later. Um, A surgeon like his dad, but he went through a rough patch. The family gets together for afternoon tea. Missy stirs the tea lightly, taps a spoon against the three cup three teacup three times. Ooh, um, super important later. Uh, Missy asks about Chris's parents. Chris claims that his father left when. Thanks, <laughs> Glenn. Um, Chris claims that his father left when he was young, and his mother died after being hit by a car when he was eleven. Georgina sort of short circuits while pouring tea, and Missy tells her to go lie down and get some rest. The Armitages tell Rose that they're having the big party tomorrow. She's surprised. They remind her that it's the same day every year. Rose's brother, Jeremy, arrives. He's a, an aggressive, spoiled, rich kid. Mm. It's a turd is probably a better phrase. <laughs> Any thoughts at this stage, gents? Well, um, I, I love the There's fact that There's a few clues first... already. Mm. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. Mm. But I love the way when we first see Rose, she, like she's bathed in light and she's buying something sweet. So instantly you sort of go, oh, this is a really nice person. Like it's... It draws you in that this is a nice, warm person, and then you know the way. Mm. You know, that, that it's you know the conversations about you know do they know they're, that I'm black, and she you know looking to reassure. Then you see that she fights, you know, with the policeman. You, you're all in on this person. You know, she's so supportive mm. of of Chris. Um, yep, absolutely. I think it's just as you said. There's a few clues, and yeah, as like what I was saying before, it's fun watching it for the second time where you can. Ah, yeah, okay, yeah, and you pick up on all those little things that you miss mm. on the first watch. So even the uh, even the yep. calls back to the um, best friend as well. Like the first time you watch it, you just laugh along with him when he's joking about oh, sex slaves, you know. <laughs> but mm. then um, the second time you watch it, he's like he's spot on, <laughs> kind of in a way. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so at dinner, drunk Jeremy starts talking to Chris about MMA fighting, saying Chris would be a, a natural letter and become, he'll be a beast. Uh, he wants to spar, but Chris says he has rules about play fighting with drunks. Uh, and then, uh, Missy kind of says, like, she puts on a tone. It's like, whoa. Um, that like really chills it out. Um, Chris and Rose retire the room where she apologizes for her family and they go to sleep. In the middle of the night, Chris gets up and decides to sneak out for a cigarette. While outside, he sees something in the distance charging at him. It's Walter. He's heading straight for him, uh, but he makes a sharp turn at the last moment and runs off in another direction. Inside the house, Georgina is staring at, at the window. Turns out she's looking at her own reflection, not Chris. She adjusts her hair, and Chris decides to head back inside. Before he could make it to his room, Missile startles him by turning on the light. She says smoking is a bad habit and offers to help him quit. He sits but mocks the notion of hypnotism, hypnotism, unaware that she is slowly hypnotizing him, using a teaspoon mm. as a focus. Do that thing again, Glenn. Yeah, yeah here's how to is way better. No, I'm struggling here, yeah. <laughs> it's funny with that running thing. 
where they, they got that became a, a bit of a thing after this movie. Like people would people would Did do it? it in the street to people and yeah. like it. it yeah, I can imagine a, a get if we were younger at a par- parties, we'd <laughs> just run up to the yeah. party and then just veer off. It was certainly um, something that uh, Jordan Peele said he kind of borrowed from a was it a Hitchcock film or something, um, and but there was something visceral yep. about it. Like, you know, sort of running in. Um, so, yeah, so he really liked that bit. Um, Sorry. Back to my plot. Uh, I'll just go back to the website. Um, she takes him back to the night. Uh, his mum died when he um, he was 11 and tells her the mother didn't come home from work and he was too scared to do anything. Like to call the police. That would make it real. So he was just watching TV, nervously digging into his nails into his bedposts. Also an important thing. Um, present day Chris is doing the same thing, digging his nails into the arms of the chair. She taps her teacup with a spoon three times and tells him to sink, you know, or mm. sink into the floor. Eleven-year-old Chris <laughs> sinks into the bed, or present day Chris sinks into the blackness, seeing himself and Missy far above on a TV screen. His unconscious body has, um, his consciousness has left his body, which is paralyzed in the chair. He wakes in the morning and checks his phone. Rod has sent Chris a picture of him pretending to have, um, give his dog a beer. His battery is low, so he plugs it in. Chris tells Rose he thinks her mum hypnotised him last night. He has a vague recollection of the evening. Mm. Um, then the Armitage's wealthy friends arrive for the big party. It's mostly older white people say many inappropriate things to Chris, like how good, a, you know, um, how he has a good build because Tiger Woods, you know, <laughs> golf must be a good swing too. Um, a black guy's better in bed. Chris next off and finds a black uh, blind man named Jim Hudson, played by Stephen Root, who says that all the people at the party are ignorant. He's an art dealer, and Chris is well aware of who he is. Jim says he is a fan of Chris's work. He recognizes the irony of a blind art dealer, but tells him that he has a really good assistant who is good at great describing pieces. He envies Chris's eye. Jim says that he himself tried photography, but was never really good at it. Uh, when Chris goes back to mingling with a guest, he discovers another black guy. He's about to Chris's age, and Chris tries to bond mm. with him, but he too is a stiff, unnatural, like Walter and Georgina. But something about him seems familiar to Chris. Note the sharp eye. This uh, the sharp eye will notice this is Andre mm. from the opening scene. Um, uh, Chris decides to check in with Rod again, and he finds his phone unplugged again. He plugs it in, calls Rod, and tells him everything's been going on. Rod warns him that white people will love to have sex slaves <laughs> and he needs to get out of there. Um, Rose finds Chris and he tells her how weird everything is and that his phone was unplugged again. She tells him he's just being paranoid because it's an uncomfortable situation. She agrees. She leaves. Rod tells Chris to make a, uh, take a picture of the black guy and he'll see if he remembers him. As Chris is about to leave, he's blocked by Georgina, who apologizes for unplugging his cellular phone. She lifted it up while dusting the nightstand and when it became unplugged, she didn't want to mess with it mm. further. Uh, he says it's fine that he didn't mean to rat her out. She doesn't understand. Mm. And Tattle tail. Like, you know, it goes from, like, you know, I didn't want to yeah. snitch on you. Mm. Yeah, snitch. Yeah, he rat you out. Oh, tattletale. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he clarifies that he didn't mean to get in trouble. Uh, she gets super weird and lets out a single tear while telling him that the Armitage is treated like family. Um. Chris goes back to the outside and tries to discreetly take the familiar uh, black man's picture with his cell phone, but has forgotten to turn off the flash and the noise. As soon as his phone flashes, the man uh, changes. He goes from only being prima pop to raving. His nose starts bleeding and he jumps at Chris telling him, get out, get the fuck out while you still can. 
Any thoughts? <clears throat> Great. Oh. Oh, it's, it's, it's just so well done. Um, I love the way yeah. Rose introduces, like basically introduces him to you know, all the all the people at the party. But really it's not so much just an introduction, like it's um, she's essentially parading them him around to meet mm. and they can, you know, check him out and they ask him you know, weird questions about, you know, black men better in bed and yep. you know, what's your goals with mm. like can you do this and all that sort of stuff so it's more fashionable yeah. to be black uh, well, <laughs> so I thought that was it's actually interesting the way she does that that it is she's introducing him to each of the different people and obviously at a party that's the way it would be but you know they they basically get an, op- an opportunity to look at this guy up close and you know see who they're potentially gonna become mm. yep um, so, uh, it sorts out, basically Chris is like, you know, they're all in the lounge room and then the guy comes out and goes, they apologize for upsetting everyone and says he must return home. Uh, Chris and Rose go for a walk and Chris tells her that, uh, he's sure he recognized the guy and that something strange is definitely going on. She agrees by saying, uh, saying that it did not seem like a seizure at all. Chris says that he's would like to go home. Rose reluctantly agrees. She says she will make up something to her parents. Back at the house, Dean is still holding a, is holding a silent auction with his guests who hold up bingo cards to bid. Next to him, a picture of Chris. Jim Hudson wins the auction. The other guests all go home. Chris goes to pack his belongings and gets a call from Rod who tells him the guy in the picture is the guy they knew named Dre who used to work at the movie theater but went missing some weeks ago. The phone battery dies. Chris notices that the closet door is open. He looks inside as a box filled of photos with a rose posed romantically with other many other black guys. Um, there are also photos of her with Walter and Georgina, uh, who don't at all resemble the robotic versions of Chris's men. Apparently, Chris isn't the first black guy Rose has been we with after We also see one of Andre, too. I mean, that's a memory. Uh, no, no, because Andre was snatched off the street. Yeah, but I think he was snatched off the tr- street. I think oh, my assumption is that he was going to go and see her. I thought one of the photos was was. Oh, <clears throat> I don't know. I have to check that again. I could be wrong. Hmm. Um. Rose returns and say, and Chris says that these the keys and um to put in their bags in the car. He, she looks for them in the her purse as they make their way out of the house. Suddenly, Jeremy appears at the front door. Dean and Missy are there too. Jeremy's ready to attack, but Missy and Dean tell him to calm down. Chris keeps telling Rose to get the keys. Missy and Dean tell Chris they don't want him to leave. Chris asks for the keys again and Rose says very calmly, you know I can't give you the keys. Uh, Chris finally realises that Rose too is in on whatever this is. Jeremy attacks Chris, Dean yells and Missy clinks the teaspoon of her glass causing Chris to sink back down to the dark water again. Cool, nice, Glenn. Mm, just like that. Well done. Um, Yeah. And now we're on the, I think that's the, that we begin I love this part. The, where, oh, I'm sorry, Glenn. No, you go. I, I was just going to, I didn't want to jump in while Michael was talking, but the picture of, you might be thinking of, is when they look up the missing person and they see the picture of him in the normal clothes and the normal guy, that there's that picture um, mm. of him mm. um, that was at some stage. But, yeah, sorry to interrupt. <clears throat> no, no, I was just going to say, I love this part um, where they go and, you know, after all that incident and they go and walk and they're, they're next to that lake. And he's basically going, I've got to go. I want to go. Like, I'm not happy about this. Now, originally, she convinces him to stay. And then apparently, like, Jordan Peele didn't like it because then people might get suspicious. Like, it'll ruin the twist later on. So 
they actually changed it up and then obviously she agrees to leave. But I love it when he first says, I want to go, no, I'm leaving tonight with or without you. And the look on her face is almost one of just complete contempt. Like she's going, oh, that's it. Like she's shitty because, you know, the plan's sort of breaking down. She just gets this look on her face and I think it's really well acted. And then the next time, when the next cut when it goes back there, she's going, no, no, it's okay, that's fine. Look, you know, <clears throat> he then goes and explains what happened to his mum and stuff like that. And then she goes, yeah, no, that's fine, let's go, we'll go. So she again provides this warmth and comfort to him that makes him feel, you know, good and comfortable and, you know, that she's supportive. So I just thought it's just a really well-constructed, those two scenes at that point. It's just one, you can see that she's really annoyed because, hang on, hang on, this is this is going the way that I don't want it to go. Um, but, you know, then you see it that she's, no, 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 now she's switched back and she's, yeah, no, that's fine, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll support you, I'll, I'll come with you, that's fine. I just think mm. it's really well done. There's um, one more thing um, about so that scene. scene. Sorry, oh. just while we're at that scene. <laughs> it that's might right. be a notable aspect, I don't know. Um, or that's it. She's wearing red and white stripes on her jumper yep. and he's wearing blue and when she puts her arms around him, it's like I read a someone's comment somewhere about it looked like he's being hung by the american flag basically with her arms around him and you got the red and white stripes and he's blue and it's like the american flag Ooh. and he's like it's around his neck almost which was an interesting oh, wow. uh some symbol symbolism mm. that's that uh, yeah it is i've noticed that one um okay so rod keeps trying to call chris but it keeps going straight to voicemail mail he looks up the picture of a guy in the photo and sees that it's um went missing some time ago um, and he goes to, to the police. He tells a female officer that the boy was kidnapped by a white folk to be a sex slave. And this is probably where Rod goes wrong. Um, just like the missing guy in the picture. She calls in two more officers to listen to Rod's story. When he finishes, they all burst out laughing. Nobody wants to take him seriously. Chris wakes up to find himself strapped to a chair in front of a mounted deer head and an old TV set. He watches a video made by Dean's father that talks about immortality. Chris sees that his fingernails have clawed through the leather arm of the chair, exposing padding. The teacup and the spoon appear on the screen, and again, ting, 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 and he's out. Rod tries Chris's phone again. <laughs> um, and Rose answers. She lies by saying that Chris left two days ago, and she's concerned about his whereabouts. She claims that he left in a taxi or maybe an Uber. Rod tells her that he went to the police, and she seems concerned. He, uh, he starts to realise that something is wrong, so he tries to record the call, but when he starts talking to her again, she tells him she knows he has the hots for her. He tells her that... Um, he tells her she's a crazy bitch and hangs up. Chris wakes up, and Jim Hudson is on the screen this time. He tells Chris that he's going to swap brains, essentially. Um, the other people at the party were all about being black, but Jim couldn't give a uh, less of a shit about that. What he really wants is to be able to see the world through Chris's eyes. Um, Dean has perfect, uh, perfected the neurosurgery to make this all possible and Missy hypnotises the body donors to prepare, prep them for the procedure he will continue existing in the dark void or in the sunken place as it should be called uh, but will be able to continue on as a sort of a passenger the flashing is an unfortunate side effect as they saw earlier at the party ting 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 of the teaspoon and Chris is out again uh, Dean and Jeremy prep uh, Jim Hudson for a brain transplant Dean tells Jeremy to get Chris. Uh, Jeremy goes down the hall. We see now there is a, a basement. Uh, they're in a basement of the house and finds Chris unconscious. He takes off his restraints and gets an IV ready. Chris wasn't unconscious after all. 
He'd stuff padding from the chair in his ears to block the sound mm. of the teaspoon. He knocks out Jeremy. Dean calls for Jeremy and goes to the lab area. Chris rushes, rushes him and impales him with a deer antlers from the other room. I well, it's funny really because nice. he does say earlier in the film um, that he hates deers and that wants a, you know, a dead deer is a good deer and it's a good start. So, yeah, I mean, which is there's a different you know racism link there. Um, uh, he knocks over the candle, like you know, yeah. Um, Dean knocks over the candle that ignites the blanket covering Jim Hudson too, and obviously the bottom of the house is set on fire. Um, Rose conveniently in all in spooky white in blue light. Um, has earbuds in and isn't aware of anything going on. While she's li- listening to the music, she's Googling images of handsome-looking black men with good physiques. Mm. NCAA prospects, um, so, like, yes. quality. And yeah. guess what she's Basketball eating? Basketball players. Mm. Fruit? Fruit Loops. Because she's Fruit Loops. Fruit Loop. Fruit Loop. Mm. Yep. Or she well, likes that cereal, Fruit Loop is a crazy person, or these people are crazy. Actually, the, the weirdest thing about that was the way she was drinking her milk. It was like... It's like little sips. Well, the, I'll yeah. ask one of my She's questions now because this is one of my questions. Mm-hmm. It was at this scene that I had the question, is she doing this willingly or is she actually hypnotised as well to do this because... She's, no, she, she's the mm, honey trap, I but think. But is, is she happy to be right. or is she... Uh, yeah, she's full yeah. psychotic. But the way she was eating the... Like, she's like a child. She was almost like a child like eating cereal and just being... It but, does... Mm, Mm. Yeah. Now I I know what you mean because there is a, it is one of my questions as well. It didn't that, look natural like it's something she was enjoying mm. doing. It was almost like a thing that she was programmed to do. That that scene she was just very yeah. Because Ooh. we know and we know that the the grandparents have had the coagula done, but have other members mm-hmm. like has Rose and has um Jeremy because no, they do because they say I, in the video that. Chris first watches. He goes, he goes. You know, it's been, it's worked. He goes and look at my family. Now at the stage they're all white, but I do. I mean, I am cute. Like because the 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 grandparents are there. Well, he's the granddad and the grandma's there, and then you know, the parents. But I'm, I think I think they're just indoctrinated. Like they, you know, I think you know Missy Dean, um, Jeremy and Rose. They're all OG yeah. family. Yeah, um, and. You know, they've just indoctrinated the thing. They're part of it. Like, they've been, you know, they're partially brainwashed, but they're all, she's disturbed. Mm. Like, you know, you could, and you'd see that later in the thing. Um, so Chris goes upstairs and uh, finds Missy. She goes for the teacup and spoon, but Chris beats her to it and smashes the cup. Yeah. Smash your cup, Glenn. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's sound effecting for me. <laughs> um, instead, she attacks him with a knife, but it turns out, uh, he turns it on her and stabs her in the, uh, stabs her to death. It's kind of a weird way to do it because it's stabbed oh. through the hand and he just brings his hand around and then stabs stabbing was like, Yeah. Oh, that was intense. Um, Chris goes to the front door again, but uh, oh, uh, but Jeremy has returned and puts him in a chokehold. Twice Chris struggles to pull the, Chris struggles to pull the door open, uh, but Jerry kicks it shut. On the third try, as Jeremy kicks the door, Chris stabs him in the um, the leg, in the knee, and breaks his, uh, breaks his skull with a brutal head stomps. Okay, romper stomper. Um, he runs outside and gets into Jeremy's car. On the passenger seat is the med evil helmet from earlier. He starts down the driveway but hits Georgina. Um, 
he just can't let her lie there like he did his mum. So he gets gets her in the car and continues down the driveway. She wakes up and attacks him, attacks him. In the process, her wig falls off, and we see that the scar runs along her head from mm. their brain transplant too, which we suspected already. Um, the crash, they crash into the tree, and she dies. Rose um, hears this through her earbuds. Um, suddenly, the rearview mirror is blown away. Rose is coming after Chris with a rifle. Uh, he begs her to stop, but she sees Georgina refers to her as Grandma. Uh, to yeah, that's right. right. Um, Rose shoots. Yeah, Rose shoots again and misses Chris. From out of nowhere, Walter runs past Rose in pursuit of Chris, and Rose says, "Get him, Grandpa!" Mm. As he tackles Chris, they wrestle onto the ground, and Chris takes his picture. Mm. The Flash. Walter turns and asks Rose for a rifle. I'll do this myself. Mm. Um, she gives it to him, and he shoots her in the stomach before the, turning the rifle on mm. himself. Um, almost as graphic as um, uh, white guy, what big fat white Bob. What was his name? Oh, in, out of sight. Yeah, from, it was um, Yeah. 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 Because he falls over and shoots his head himself in the head. That's yeah, two. two. Three, three in a row. Yeah. Three in a row. We had a run of Pulp Fiction. He's <laughs> two because Marvin in Pulp Fiction. We had a run of shots in the neck in the previous season. We finished us off. So now we've got a run. Yeah. Jeez. Well, headshots. <sighs> um, uh, Rose on the ground bleeding out. She tries to reach for the rifle, but Chris bats it away. As he bends over, Rose puts her hand to his cheek and tells him Chris that she loves him. You know, again mm-hmm. that acting oh, intense. Chris starts to choke Rose, but stops. Um, he can't go through it, and then like, a car pulls up. Rose quick calls weekly for help, knowing the local police will throw Chris in jail. It's Rod stepping into the police car. Chris gets into the car. Rod looks at the case and says, man, I told you not to go in that house. <laughs> I love, I love the, how he gets up with his... And Chris asks Rod how he um, found him. How he gets up with his arms up like when the police arrive. He knows yeah. oh, I look guilty and it's police, so I have to put my hands up. Like, yeah. He's never not the victim. Like He won't be ever seen as the victim. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, Rod explains that he works for the TSA, the MFTSA, and that everything will be all right. Rose smiles with the last breath as Rod and Chris drive away into the night. The film ends with Rod driving Chris away from the scene as Rose lies dead on the lies dead on the road. Mm. Finn, um, nice work. I didn't want to. I didn't want to interrupt because you were on mm. a roll. But I was going to say just before the headshot thing, three in a row. We should, we should just rename the podcast Headshot. <laughs> headshot. <laughs> we just watch John Wick movies. Maybe we do a spin-off, <laughs> spin-off one. All right, let's hit this. All right, cast and characters. Obviously, we'll go through them all the main characters like we usually do. Uh, thoughts on Daniel Kaluuya, Chris, who played Chris Washington. It's good, Chris Washington. Hmm. Mm. Like it's um, it's nice in some ways that he's not a super familiar face because I think um, it worked for his performance. But yeah, it was good. It was engaging. Like it, um, and it, it felt like there's a lot of realism yep. to it. I guess. Um, so yeah, yeah, he felt like nice. a like he felt like a likable guy, not nice normal guy. He mm. did it very well, and he's all same with his friend. He felt like the good sidekick friend that you'd everyone want to have. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think like you know, it's I mean, it's hard to you know you're watching a movie where obviously the um, the people in it are talking about the physicality of like you know of black people and um, in terms of like you know yes let's possess them and. Um, but also, he he he's not physically imposing. He's like he he fills in that everyman yeah. role, like it is you know it is easy to relate to him because he's not he's not jacked up like you know um, the Rock, um, you know he's not sort of he's not an unusual you know yeah. specimen of human like you know he is he you know it looks like mm. someone you could know, 
um, yeah. which is really so nice. Like, you know, not like kind an of, action that film works star or anything. It's just the a role. normal yeah. Yeah, character. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I loved him. I thought he was excellent in this film. Um, he's, the way that slow build from weariness at the start to complete distrust was really well done. And I think, you know, the way he sort mm. of slowly unpacked it throughout the movie uh, I thought it was excellent. Um, always able to show his confusion yet still remain strong and stoic. Um, and thought, his performance when Rose turned I thought was awesome, was just perfect. He's He was yeah. I really mm. enjoyed I haven't seen much of him mainly because I think he's been in – was in Black Panther after this. And then I think he was in um, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse as well. But, um, yeah, I haven't seen a lot of him. <clears throat> Although his casting actually caused some controversy as well. Apparently Samuel L. Jackson, um, friend of the what? pod. Um, he <laughs> we've, done <a> few, <laughs> we've done a few of his movies. We call him friend of the pod. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. so he's – because he's um, he's British and so the issue was oh, is yeah. that, you know, these sort of roles should be going to African-American actors, not um, – yeah, black British actors. Also, mm. so he it wasn't necessarily that he was disappointed in Cooley's performance, but he just said, "No, no, no, it's sh- you know, they should be employing African American actors rather than yeah British or non African American for these sort of roles for an African American role." Which is, I mean, which is interesting. <clears throat> yeah. Um, Allison. Mm. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's you know, there he's making the assumption that like you know, there he's making the assumption that like you know. Um, British people of colour don't go through similar things. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's justified yeah. by the, like the studios that they're better trained. But yeah, I think yeah, Samuel's basically going now. This is this is a movie about racism in in America, and yeah, you haven't even got an African American um, actor as the lead actor. So I, think, I don't know. You can look at it both ways. Hmm. Um, Alison Williams, yep. who played Rose Armitage. Got you. She was good. Like you, when when I first watched it, oh, she sucks you in. Hugely, like you know, yeah. you think, wow, this is the. She's funny. Like you know, um, you know, it's like, oh, she really cares. Mm. She's sensitive to the whole thing. But you you rewatch it and you you get into her character more, and um, she's mm. manipulative. Like she gaslights him throughout the the film. Like you know, like she usually turns something back on him. Like you know, oh, you're jealous, or you you know, you're this. Um, you know, she says to the cop, like, you know, oh, she challenges him because they don't yeah. want a record of him being in that area. Yeah, it's not like, you know, because he would have noted that nice. down. You know, he's there. Yeah. yeah. It's not, she's not trying to stand up it's against like, racism. She just doesn't want him, his license to be on any record in that area. Mm, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, but she, the way she turns, like, you know, that kind of um, third act turn where she kind of goes, like, it, it, and it's it's even like it goes in the stages. There's that she goes obviously can't give you the keys, and then we see her next, and she is, she is, and she's wearing white, and she's got her hair tied back, and she's a blue light. She's that mm. blank slate again. She's like preparing for her next, you know. Well, sort it's of funny trap. because at that point um, too, she's talking to Rod, and she's feigning fear and worry, mm. and oh look at you know he left a few days oh. ago, and I don't know where he is, and she's you can you know. <clears throat> in oh, her voice, yeah. she's got it- genuine worry, but mm. if you, when you're watching her face. It's just no, death. It's just it's incongruous. It's, there is there is no, the there voice is, and the face. Are, I, it's just a phenomenal. <laughs> that was a great. That was a great scene. Yeah, 
Mm. Yeah, mm. that was a great scene. That 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 yep. where she's going. Oh no! Oh, and but her her face is not showing that at all. <laughs> no. Yeah. Hmm. But Rod is on that. But even too, like know. when he's going to get the keys, Rose, and she goes, "Yeah, I'm looking for it." And he goes, "Well, let's do it on the run." So they're going down the stairs, and he's going, "Get the keys, Rose." And she's and like you can genuinely look at her. She's panicking, looking through a bag. I'm trying, I'm trying, and he keeps saying it. Get the keys, get the keys. I'm trying, I'm trying, and she keeps looking, and then it's just. You know I can't do that, and it's like, oh shit. So yeah, I thought she was excellent. Um, I really enjoyed her performance, um, and I actually yeah, watched her yeah. in Megan uh, over the weekend, and I thought she was good in that as well. Oh yeah, I, uh, I recognised her. Oh, I recognised so, her, yeah. but um, um, I didn't know what from, and I just clicked on her, and I was like, I haven't even seen any of her movies, but she's. Um, I realised she's in Girls, the TV show. Yeah, um, she girls. was. That's where I knew her from. But um, yeah, very good. Anyway, move on. <laughs> Bradfi- mm. Bradley Whitford, who played the dad, Dean Armitage. Hmm. Um. Good. Like, and it, it's on the, in the trivia that Jordan Peele, you know, wanted him to do it, and he's obviously he played a, a character on um. Well, nine nine. What is it? Oh. The West Wing. The West Wing. Um, and like you know, and represents like a liberal sort of you know Democrat sort of guy, uh, liberal views, and he kind of you know he brings that like and he's he is affable like you know you'd kind of go oh yeah this seems like a really cool guy, um, but then turns out to be a you know a neurosurgeon who mm-hmm. transplants brains. <laughs> I don't. Um, yeah. I have nothing against the actor, but gosh, he did he just racism very well. He just looked. <laughs> <laughs> he just come across as ra- very racist from the start. I don't know. Uh, maybe it's just it's good mm. acting. Um, yeah, it's just the white. Yep. Good script. Yeah, he was yeah. he was good. I guess. Yeah, he was mm. a good actor. He's just um, very unlikable in this. So obviously, I haven't seen him in the West Wing or whatever else is in. So um, yeah, just very likable. Yeah. So that that's guy. interesting because in this he was like, wow, yeah, this guy don't like him. <laughs> mm. And I think too, yeah. he's he's completely over the top. And I think that actually works for the character. Like he's so bubbly and welcoming and obviously we know why he wants him to stay there. But, you know, um, and then <laughs> but then he also, but then he slowly gets weirder as the movie goes on. Uh, and at the end he's just mm. obviously just a complete madman. Uh, I thought he was. Well, at the end he's impaled yeah. with deer. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was hard to get him. Only I've only ever seen him as Jake Peralta's dad. So he still, <laughs> still had a little bit of that about it. Um so I, I, I mean, we can talk about Catherine Keane. I was going to talk about Betty Gabriel, who played Georgina, who was the housewife. Uh, the, sorry, the, not the housewife, the uh, maid. I thought you would have gone to the Kinnear woman. Catherine oh, Keener. Catherine Keener. Yeah, no, no, but she's on the list. Yeah. If we were happy to talk about her. I just, right. I loved Betty Gabriel's performance. Um, she was just ridiculously spooky every time she was on I, screen. That's true. Um, didn't think you were going to get to her. really did create. Oh. oh. No, I thought I thought I'd just throw her up something different, but uh, yeah, her just yep. she created a lot of the weirdness of the tension through much of that middle part of the film, just with her manner and mm. the way she spoke and the way she looked and just the way she was. It was yeah, I thought her performance was really good. Yep. Yeah, I was uh, gonna little, um, little Ray Howery. Sorry, go sorry, Glenn. Um, I think I've got a delay or something with this. This call we're on. Um, I keep I keep yeah. going to say something and then you don't hear me till you start talking again. It's weird. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, I was going to bring up that actor because I didn't think you were going to, and I wanted to mention that probably one of my favorite scenes, or definitely one of my favorite moments in the acting, was her her face when she's the snitching scene where she's saying, mm. oh, oh, tattletale, and then she's saying, mm. oh, we're all family here, we're all well looked after, but the, the smile and, and the tear, and you can see she's that's such tear. a good moment that she's in that performance because her dialogue is saying everything's fine, but her face is saying, I'm trapped in here, mm. get me out, I'm trapped in this body, I can't get out. And she's trying, she can't say it though with words, but her eyes were saying it. Yeah. Her face was saying it, and mm. I loved that. Was just an amazing performance. I thought that that moment, oh, she was great. She was yeah. the highlight of the movie for, in some ways. Mm. Mm, there you go. <clears throat> um, little Little Ray Howery, who played Rod, brings a lot of the comedy to the whole thing. Really does bring the liberty. <laughs> oh, that's where the comedy comes in. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That mm. really enjoyed his performance. Anyone else? Catherine Keener. God, she, there was a menace there. It was like she was clearly like, you know, um, the matriarch. And there's there's elements there where she's definitely kind of made to look like a lion. Um, you know, so she's the that sort of that head of the family, even though I suppose Dean is kind of like, you know, plays around with that. But, yeah, she is. She's in yeah. charge. Like, you know, like she probably has it. You know, and you mentioned before, like, you know, has she kind of hypnotised these kids? Probably because she says, you know, when she says Jeremy and in a particular tone, I was like, mm. like the, that was, you know, that was gold. Things are going to go messed up if Jeremy keeps mucking around. Um, yeah, no, I think she, she brings a, there's a menace there and, an, you know, an underlying evil. I was like, wow. Yeah, you never settled when she was on screen. Mm. Like a predator, mm. one would say. Glenn, yeah. thoughts? Oh yeah, I thought she was she was pretty good too. Yeah, um, I'm still just still the highlight was grandma. But yeah. um, <laughs> <clears throat> and, then, and then you had grandma in the car at the end where she just turns into like just an absolute crazy person. Like just yeah, you ruined everything. <laughs> you ruined my house, wasn't it? You destroyed my house. I think she said. Uh, favorite scene. Yep. Glenn, do you want to go first? Mm. Uh, let me go back to my notes. Favorite scene: um, the flash going off when he takes the mm. photo. Ooh. Loved that moment because it's like, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> um, I loved that moment and probably the whole ending as well. Yeah, the whole moment from from her saying, "I'm not giving you the keys." From there to the end is just great too. Yeah, no, 100%. Which is more than a scene. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the whole act, but no, yeah. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Michael? Um, I think the first reveal of the sunken place was quite distressing, Um, you know, because he's going through, the, you know, she's getting him to relive this kind of his deepest, kind of darkest, you know, um, shame. Um, and then she just kind of... um. Yeah, pushes him down. Um, it's like what? Um, yeah, I think you know you really felt for him in that in those moments of like that helpless helplessness. Um, the the contrast between um, his emotional like you know like I'm not comfortable here, Rose. I need to go home. And the silent auction. I was like, you know, like, mm. oh my god. 
like because I think there's some simultaneous cousin going on there. Um, the the party, I suppose, like you know, in height, like you know, watching it again, you just go, oh my god, they are they are like, well, they are like lion sizing up mm. dinner, aren't they? Like you know, they are. <laughs> um, it's and and the tension before the third act starts, I think. Um, like he's got like I gotta get out of here. Like, you know, we, we get those big reveals that that's Andre. Um, you know, he's been missing uh the cupboard, like, you know, where we find out all the photographs is like I'm freaking out and then then that gets into the like, you know, I can't give you the keys. Um Yeah, because you're hoping, like, you know, when I remember first watching you're hoping that Rose is gonna go, Yeah, here, here's the keys, let's go, this is freaky. And it's like, No, I'm in on this. Um, and of course, yeah, the, the, the third act is pretty yeah. entertaining. Um, for me, I got a couple of um, a couple, and then I've probably got my my, my favourite scene. Yeah, when he first goes outside, just before the sunken place, and you know, we just get um, the groundskeeper just bolting at him, and he's like, "What the hell?" And then he just turns and bolts off into the into the night, and you're just like, mm. oh, "What the fuck is going on in this movie?" And then he turns around and he's watching Georgina, and I think she's adjusting her hair and. She sees him and then hmm. he pretends to do so. And then he goes back and then she's not there. And I just thought that was a really – that's that sort of moment where you're just like, where is this movie going? Like on the first watch, hmm. what, the, what is this movie? I have no idea what we're having here. Um, I love it when the cops dismiss Rod. So they go in, you know, and he goes in and he sees, you know, the African-American lady cop and talking to her and – then, you know, then he's telling the story and he's really excited and then she calls in two other people and one's – none of them are white, interestingly enough. One's, I think, a Latino and the other one's uh, African-American as well. And you're sort of sitting there going, yes, okay, so this is how this movie's going to go. They're going to come, they're going to save him, Rod's going to do this, blah, blah, blah. Hmm. No. They just start absolutely pissing themselves laughing and she goes, and you said I never give you anything. How funny is this? And just basically taking the piss out of you. And you're just like, a, what? Yep. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this. Um, but yeah. no, for me, my favourite scene is just give me the keys, Rose, that whole sequence where – and it is, it's like oh, it goes into the third act and I think we've all agreed that's awesome. But just, you know, they're in the house. She's trying to look for her keys. She can't find – and she's genuinely panicking. Why can't I find the keys? He's, he's trying to storm out. He wants to leave. There's all the angst down the bottom and she's still trying to – feels like that she's still on his side and it's like, you know, I can't do that. And it's just like, oh, shit. Like, I just thought it was really, really mm. well done. So that was my yep. favourite scene. Uh, mm. Notable aspects. Uh, Glenn, I'll go to you again first. I think Michael's got a few. I wanted to mention one more scene that I liked, which was, yep. you've already actually mentioned it, which was the... Um, the story of the sex slave kidnappings in the police office. <laughs> I wanted to mention that one, even though you already did. So, um, gosh, I guess that is the comedy, and um, that's why it's musical comedy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, just another notable thing that actually Anna noticed and I didn't notice um, when she, um, the maid is pouring, not made, the uh, grandma, mm. pouring the iced tea near the start when he's first there. Um, she's pouring the iced tea and she actually she accidentally spills it. And it, apparently that's because there was a, a spoon hit a glass. Someone else actually, their spoon touched the glass and she just had a little oh, uh, yeah, a little yeah. uh, twitch or something from the, yeah, which is an interesting little little thing I didn't notice. But, yeah, um, no, I yeah, didn't was, notice it the second time. That's interesting. 
Well done, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure Michael has some notable aspects. <laughs> uh, I've got a couple before I go with you. I, the conversation around, yeah, have you told them I'm black? It's it's actually quite jarring, I think, especially you know as as a, mm. as a white person like that. He's like, have you like he's actually got to ask that. Like that's probably the thing that sort of yep. it's just you go, oh shit, yeah, you don't think of it. But yeah, he would genuinely have concerns. Like, do they actually know? Like, what's their reaction going to be if you haven't? That's um, yeah, thought that was quite jarring. Um, and you look at, you look back now. Rose doesn't actually have any empathy for the deer at all, um, which mm. I guess goes to the fact that she's a psychopath. Uh, and also, as we talked about mm. before, how she you, you're on her side. Yeah, you know, but she's the only reason she's arguing about the license is that yeah, she doesn't want a trace of Chris there. Um I, I just think this movie's really well written and it's just so well put together. Uh and I think it's shot beautifully. Um the idea alone I think is really clever. But the way they unpack it throughout is really well done. Um its ability to, it's it's got this ability to basically trick you and suck you in, and each time you think you're on the you're on the side of these two people, and all of a sudden it goes completely against where you think it's going to go. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was um, really well written. I thought, yeah, Jordan pulled in an extremely mm. good job. Um, it's under two hours, and it just moves. There's no there's no real slow patches throughout this movie at all. Um, it doesn't feel like um, it goes for yeah, feels well under two hours. I thought it was really good. And the last one I had was about the Swahili song, which is obviously basically tells you exactly the plot of the movie. Uh, listen to the ancestors run. You need to run far. So that was what I had. <laughs> Michael? Oh, Glenn. Oh, Glenn, you're going to say something? Oh, yes. One more thing. Um, I just Googled was uh, Rose hypnotized or not because I really think she was and Scott thinks she's just a psycho. And so I actually looked it up and um, apparently it is, a, it is speculated that she was hypnotized but it was debunked by the actor who declared that none of the Armitage have been hypnotized. The Armitages had been hypnotized and mm. she's just a heartless monster. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was right. <laughs> um so there is there is so much to take away from this film. Um the the theme of the deer um is present throughout the whole film. And we, we see that from like um the beginning of the film when uh Rose hits a a deer with her car um or you know in better like you know in sort of um apparently you know they're known as bucks and like you know there was used to be um oh, what did i read that uh deer also known as bucks a term used to sometimes represent black men um so you know that kind of that starts from the beginning and it's, it's really our first signifier that um well no second signifier because we had the um uh siki lisa mm. song saying run brother run um Yes, but one of our earlier signifiers that, you know, uh, Chris is in danger. Um, or part of it, I mean, maybe third, because Andre, you know, had the, we had the run, yeah. rather run part with Andre. Um, there's, there's like, you know, some really nice um, visual styles going on with this. And one of them is, um, it's there's some counterintuitive stuff, one of the first ones I noticed. Um, when we're meeting the family, uh, Chris is meeting, like, you know, the Armitages, the camera you would expect, like you would bring, you would normally come in closer. Like it's already set out to wide, 
and you would normally expect the camera to move in to kind of, you know, give this idea of closeness, that we're kind of meeting people, except the camera dollies out, giving a more wider sort of scope. Um, so we get this, like, you know, we get this detached kind of idea. Um, and so Jordan Peele, you know, and, and team do a number of these things. You know, we saw that with a man running towards the camera, you know, and how that was, you know, I think in Peele's words, you know, visceral, you know, and challenging that kind of idea that someone's running at. He's like, the, you know, what's it's freaking me out? Um, but I think probably the, the most notable things, and it's, unless you watch a couple of times, it's kind of sometimes you're not noticing it, but it is the amount of deer and lion motifs throughout the film. Um, you know, we see it, uh, like, you know, we get, we hit a deer, um, you know, uh, Dean mentions it like, you know, yep, deer, there's a problem. Let's, you know, um, you're on, you've started the process of getting rid of them. That's great. Um, but there are lots of little, you know, deer, um, ornaments throughout the house. Like, I think they're on the edges of, like, you know, some banisters and there's, like, you know, a couple of statues. And of course we see it in, you know, the, the room where, like, um, Chris is held later, um, however, and one of the, the interesting ones, that when he's getting the tour, there's a shot from inside, um, Missy's room and it's, it's a, um, probably a, a crutch level shot. Um, but, oh, that's actually, yeah, you know, sort of a chair level shot and it's of the arms of her chair and they've got lion heads. Um, and you can see that in like, you know, and then Chris is in the background of it, you know, so you know, it's, you've got to sort of watch it, you know, carefully, but you can see these kind of, um, motifs of predator prey throughout the whole film. Um, and the, the interesting thing about the party, like this idea that like, you know, here is a pack of predators looking at its prey. Um, so, and then of course, thematically linking that up to, you know, systematic racism in America, it's very clever. <laughs> so, yep. Yeah. I, I I could go on, but I won't. I think they're probably the key ones that. Um, yeah. Obey all the highlights from your students' essays. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's all you've done. You've basically just <laughs> been someone else's work. <laughs> that's funny. I mean, it's funny you say that. No, it's actually pointing out the other way around. Like you know, I'd watch it and go, "Look at all these things, guys!" And you and you read things about like you know your films and like there's lots of stuff mm. around it. So it'll be things that have. You know, oh yeah, I remember talking about this. Um, but yeah, usually you're pointing it out to students. There, <laughs> some of them are clever, but not that clever. Sometimes they need lots of guidance. When they get a bit they rowdy, um, love you guys. When they get a bit rowdy at school, do you just start going? You should, you should start doing that, Michael. Just to, I, I should have done it just after. You should just it. always do get out and then go ding ding ding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> clever. All right, you've inspired me, Glenn. All right, questions, queries, tidbits. Anyone got much? Yes, uh, a few. Yep. Mm. Go, Glenn. Uh, yep. And where are we? Um, at the start, I, the driver got out of the car to take that guy, and I was like, I was a bit confused why he was wearing a helmet. Is there a reason he's wearing a helmet? The disguise. Yeah. Mm, but I it's a good But you're right. It's a weird. It's a medieval helmet. So. I didn't realize that till I saw it on the seat later. I thought it was like a motorbike helmet yeah. or something. But um, yeah. Um, maybe it's like you know, kind of representative of old money or something. Mm. Don't know. And then um, 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 a couple of more questions. When he had the stuffing in his ears, so he didn't hear the tap tap tap. Um, and mm -hmm. then he took out the stuff. I was 
I'm thinking, why didn't he just leave the stuffing in his ears, like in case, like he had to break the cup later? But if he should have just left it in his ears, and he would have been all good for the rest of the movie. Well, um, going on to that, going on to that, it's actually wool. Mm. It's it's designed to be wool, and from all accounts, the the chair that they used, which might come up in trivia later, I don't want to step on your trivia, Michael, but in no, the chair so. that they actually used, it had polyester, but. Jordan Peele made sure that it had wool, and it's obviously to symbolise, you know, um, cotton. I might be not wool, probably not wool. Sorry, cotton. So it's you know, cotton mm. picking and that sort of mm. stuff, which obviously a lot of the American yep. slaves had to do. So um, yeah, yeah, which I thought was interesting. But that's no, a good point, Glenn. Um, um, two more. And I actually really oh, liked yep. something. You know, sort of um, like on that. I didn't pick it up, but. What this movie does well is that kind of repetition of stuff mm. too. Like you, you see, um, uh, what's the character's name? Again? Chris. <laughs> Chris. You see Chris gripping at the the chairs, like you know, really you know, gouging them with his fingernails. So the fact that he's unconscious and doing that, um, like it's not a surprise. It's not a Deus Ex Machina kind of thing. Um, you see that he's been doing that ever since he got first hypnotized. And so the fact that, like, you know, we see that he's kind of pulled up the stuffing later on, you're not thinking, how the hell did that come in? Hmm. Hmm. Um, I've, I've written this question. I'm not, I can't remember the moment, but I've written, she would have seen the flash at the end. Um, I'm not sure who I'm talking about here. Maybe Grandma, was there a flash with his camera at the end and she didn't get snapped? Oh, I did it to I think Grandma, you <clears throat> so oh, no, Rose, would have, um, Rose, Rose would, would have seen, seen the flash. flash, so she would have thought, "Hang on, maybe he has turned." Mm. Maybe, or maybe she didn't kind of make that link. Or she's. Yeah, um, it's a good point. Yeah, because it was quite dark. You'd see a flash, but um, my last question is: Wouldn't it be easier just to hypnotize um, Chris when after he's arrived? Hypnotize him after he's hypnotized the first time. You've got the control. Why don't I just keep you hypnotized and let him meet everyone hypnotized? It's safer. He's not going to mm. start taking photos yeah, and being maybe suspicious maybe and, you know, seeing things. And Yeah, I mean, obviously it would be a much more boring movie, but um, safer for them. They, they mention they mentioned the step, like, phase two, which is that psychological pre-op. Like, you know, maybe that's part of it, like, is the, you know, getting that you know, sort of sopping him up somehow mentally. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Um, is that it? <clears throat> yes. All right. Uh, I've got a couple. Why do all psychopaths keep scrapbooks? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Why does Why did Rose you keep, keep all the photos? A box of, <laughs> like, if you're trying to avoid any sort of suspicion, which I guess they, yeah, rich white people, they probably do, but... Um, it's curious, why would she have kept that scrapbook or that box of photos? Because she loves them. You know, she says to Chris as she goes under, you were my, you were one of my yeah. favourites. Like, I think she you know, loves them in a, you know, disturbing kind mm. of way. Oh, I don't know. I don't know if she loves anyone. She's a, she's a complete nut. That's my guess. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> um, why does Stephen Root or Jim Hudson explain the process while Chris is tied up, like why is he the one that it's explaining? Is it he's explaining why he wants his eyes, or is it like I would have thought that's just a that'd be just a generic video? It's odd that that Jim's the one that explains it all. I think it's part of like you know what he says there. It's a um um 
that part of that sort of, you know, coming to a mutual understanding. He said one of his opening statements is that. So I imagine yep. if that's the, that's part of it, like, you know, trying to get that comma, like, you know, you need to understand what we're going through and make it, it makes yeah, it better. Don't fight it. Oh, that's sort what of thing. Yeah. Um, that was about it. Other than just one thing I noticed, that Rose is very open with Chris all through the start of the movie about how weird her family is or how weird they've been and, yeah. Mm. You, you would have thought she'd try and tone that down to avoid any sort of doubt or want of Chris to leave. Maybe. Um. Yeah. Michael? Or maybe she just likes toying with him. I have no, no question. questions. You got this? I, no. All good? I've analysed this film. <laughs> you probably answered all your questions <laughs> in, in <laughs> your reading, yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, all right, over to you, Michael, for trivia. Okay. Um, Daniel Kaluuya was given the lead role on the spot after nailing his audition. Writer, Brooke, co-producer and director Jordan Peele. I'm just going to short out the Jordan Peele one for you, <laughs> So Kaluuya did about five takes of a key scene in which his character needs to cry, and each was so perfect that the single tear came down at the exact same time for each take. Genius. Jesus. Uh, Peele said the title is also a reference to what he often hears black audiences shout at the screen while watching horror films, yelling at a character to get out in his movie, uh, in this movie, Rod and Andre both say that to Chris. Interestingly, it's also a, a link to mm. Eddie Murphy, and he's delirious. Um, you know, Murphy joked about horror films, including Poltergeist and Amityville Horror, and asked why white people do not leave where there's a ghost in the house. Murphy joked that a black man was being shown around a beautiful house, uh, um, heard a ghost whisper, he's like, so get out. He would immediately tell his wife, too bad, we can't stay here, baby, we're <laughs> out. Um, yeah. Uh, Peel, you know, was asked if Universal asked him to do a sequel, and he said, yeah, look, I'm open to it, but, you know, it's only going to be the right one. Um, Chance the Rapper was so impressed by the movie that he bought all the movie tickets from certain Chicago movie theaters just so people could go see the film for free. In one of his tweets talking about the film, he says, just pull up with an ID and enjoy the movie. <laughs> um, Lil Ray Howery stated that real-life TSA agents constantly recognize him since the film's release. <laughs> I wonder if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Like, does he get hassled in the airport or is he... don't know. Or maybe he's a touted as a hero. Um, the opening of the film is partially inspired by the opening of Halloween, um, which Peel described as a, a subversion of the perfect white neighbourhood. Um, the movie was filmed in 23 days. Um, the song playing at the beginning of the film when Chris is packing for the weekend is Redbone by Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino. Uh, writer producer Jordan Peele wanted the song because of the <laughs> lyrics, including "Stay woke and don't close your eyes." Um, Peele asserted the scene where Walter is running at Chris and the audience at full speed is a nod towards the power of the depth of, in films. He cited North by Northwest as an example of this technique, stating somebody running at you, um, at you or towards you, just creates a visceral and physical reaction for the audience. Um, Peel took a lot of inspiration from the tone for the British TV series Psychoville, which starred leading man uh, Daniel Kaluuya. Um, Peel said in an interview that uh, Alison Williams uh, reminded him of someone you knew and had a crush on when you met her at summit camp, and he thought this was a great quality for the kind of character Rose Armitage really is. Um, Little Ray Harry, Chris's best friend, ad-libbed the majority of his funny lines. <laughs> He did well there. Um, yeah. 
Peel, when Peel was writing this scene where Chris is under hypnosis for the first time, he ended up crying. He states, there was this point in the process where I got to do uh, to something that was very vulnerable. The fun evolved into tears. I mean, when I was writing about Chris in the hypnosis and the sunken place, I ended that, that day crying, and it was a cathartic thing. I wouldn't describe it as fun. Um, Peel made the sound when the deer gets hit by the car. Uh, Peel directed scenes in the movie while doing impressions of Tracy Morgan, Forrest Whitaker, and Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, in the scenes where Chris and Rod were talking to each other on the phone, the actors were actually using the phone, but were talking to writer, producer, and director Jordan Peel and said it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the film, this film, stayed in the U.S. top uh, box office top ten for its first two months of release. And we'll leave it there. All right, nice work. Uh, all one right, question. what's that? One question. One question. Yep. Um, does it say, Michael, if the sequel will, will be called Get Out Again? <laughs> <laughs> it might be, damn it, man, get out. <laughs> or I told you, get out. <laughs> I've warned you once before. <laughs> all right. Uh, final thoughts and rating. Obviously, we do rate out of 10. 10 being a fantastic movie, 0 being a terrible movie, and 5 being somewhere in between. Michael, I'll leave you to last. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Glenn, I'll throw to you first. I don't really have any final thoughts. I do have a rating. Um, so when I first watched this, um, it was 10 out of 10. Watching it a second time, I just dropped to 9. But, I mean, nine's good. <laughs> hmm. um, so for me it's a 9 out of 10 it's a great movie and everyone should watch it um, hmm. yeah really fun and just really shocking especially if you don't know Well, <laughs> if you listen to this hopefully you've seen it but um, if you ha- if you hadn't seen it and you watched it it's a really good experience um, really enjoyable lots to talk about, lots to discuss and um, I think very good important movie hmm. no, 100% agree in fact I actually do agree with you Glenn I've also rated this a 9 <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think it's just such a well-crafted movie. I thought it's really well acted. Uh, we've, I've mentioned that how well written it is. This movie is not a slow burn because it continually moves really quickly. Um, but I think just the way it unpacks itself and you you go from not really understanding where the hell this movie is going, it keeps you <clears throat> not confused, but it, you know, you're unsure in terms of what's happening and then you know you, you get that twist at the end i thought it was just really well done it was it was well earned and i think yeah they've just done it's for his a directorial debut i thought jordan peele was excellent um i thought he's done a fantastic job so for me this is a nine nice michael um there's a few times i've watched this and um it like the the all the reveals at the beginning are like you know really cool. It's like wow, and then rewatching a couple of times and it does lose that impact. So it was kind of like you know I remember all this. Um, so it doesn't it doesn't have a I didn't don't think it has a, a good rewatch value in that sense. Um, like maybe if you're watching with someone else and you're kind of watching them mm-hmm. and then you're gonna oh my god, yeah, but um, yeah. yeah, it it kind of like once you kind of know all its secrets, um, you know it. You know, it's it's one of those ones you you get distracted easily from other things. Um, but you know, still a really good film. It's a good debut film. Um, it's absolutely worth watching. Uh, not as high as you guys, seven point five. Oh, 
Have you um, watched the um, alternate ending? I have. That was, I, and I'm, I'm kind of glad with the actual ending it ended up with because mm-hmm. the other one was, it I mean, like kind of gives you that hope a little bit that you know, yeah, um, it would be better. Um, and the the alternate ending, you know, has the cop arriving. I think the actual cop and, he gets arrested. Um, yeah. So it's like, oh but God. I think he's he's in jail yeah. and he's still happy or something, isn't he? And he goes, "I stopped." Them. Yeah. But like, you're, yeah, you're in jail for the rest of your life. Yeah, no, it was, it was much a, a much happier, uh, obviously yeah, a very happy ending that like you know um, Rod gets him. But um, yeah, I did watch that alternate version. And, oh my god, I'm glad I didn't watch that with the first one because I think that sort of mm. yeah would have been really <clears throat> sad. <laughs> All right, so with a score of nine from me, nine from Glenn, and a seven point five from Michael, that does give us a score of twenty five point five, which does make this our new number one film. It has overtaken nice. Pulp Fiction on 22. Uh, out of Sight on 19 is in the top three with Total Recall now fourth on 18. All right. Uh, socials, obviously, we can be found on – well, it's not Twitter anymore. It's X. Um, X. But we can be found this there at Cinematic Leap. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Uh, our Twitter ha- – our X handle, if you still call them that. Uh, at X, Cinematic well, Leap. It, I don't even X know. used to be your handle? Yeah, we're there anyway. Um, yeah. We'll call it still call it Twitter. Well, I'm old. I need to, keep, need to keep things simple. Doesn't no. change well. Um, Uses the old vernacular. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm like grandma. Um, <laughs> obviously, on Facebook, just search for Cinematic Leap. We do have a website, cinematicleap.com, where you can find all of our scores. You can listen to the pods from there. You can find all our pods. You can... Listen to them from your different um, podcast providers. So, yeah, please rate us uh, hopefully nicely uh, and share. Tell your friends. Uh, helps other people obviously find us. All right, Michael, it's now time for our... Cinematic Leap. All right, so I get to choose the leaper and, Glenn, you get to choose the movie. Um, so I've been having a look at this and I... <clears throat> I'm not sure who to pick. There is a guy, there's a set director, Leonard R. Spears, <laughs> who I'm a big fan of. Um, and he's, he's got he's got a couple of movies that I'd really like to go to, but I, mm. I, I honestly don't think uh, you'll go there. So when in doubt, I've got a... Little Ray Howard. No, when, when in doubt, I've got a theory, and you just go the casting... Uh, one of the casting oh, people. Really? You're using your one casting? No. no it's just <laughs> using a hard So we're going to go with Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor. Casting director. Who has got, <sighs> she's actually got some really, uh, an interesting range. There's a couple of movies that I'd really like you to pick here, Glenn. Um, mm. <clears throat> but I'll leave it up to you. There's a couple of good options there, isn't there? There is, yeah. I do like 13 going on 30. Um, that's that's the standout. Yeah, it was. That's, that was what I was worried about. I'd love you to pick Halloween because I I did enjoy that. Uh, Catch me if you can's a good film. Ocean's Eleven's there, Glenn. If it's onto something, probably a little bit happier. Um, War of the Worlds. So yeah, there's a few Crazy Rich Hazens. A couple of really nice options. Mm. I have a feeling I reckon I know where you're going to go, but. Crazy Rich, you might, I'm not picking Crazy Rich Asians. I think I've seen a bit of that. Glenn, with you, I just never know. So, 
That wasn't the one yeah, I think I you're going to go to. Going. I just never know. I'm very tempted. 13 going on 30 is a fun movie, but... Um, yeah. Ooh, happy death day to you. Oh. I wish you did a happy death day. <gasps> happy death day. Happy death day to you is actually an idea I had before that film came out. and that I Yeah, well, the, yeah, happy death day and then happy death day to you is the sequel. Yeah, and that, that film is actually... I haven't seen that yet. I had the same idea and half wrote a script and it's then that's come out. Anyway, mm-hmm. um I'm gonna pick Whip Horrors Groundhog Day's Horror. I'm gonna pick Whiplash because <laughs> I haven't seen it yet and I've been meaning to watch it for years. Whiplash, huh? Whiplash. That's the one I thought you'd pick, Glenn, because I know we I I think I mentioned to you that I'd watched it a while ago and you said, Oh, I really wanted to watch that film. It's um Yeah, I still haven't got to, but <clears> now <throat> I have to, so Yeah, that's right. So all right. Oh. It's, Are you happy um, with that though? Or it's it's a Look, okay, we'll wait. Okay. It's a brutal watch. We'll, we'll discuss oh, is it. it? <laughs> I don't know much about it at all. So it's. I just know it's the same director as La La Land. So yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Shit. Oh, that's all right. There's no hope <laughs> in hell that I'd pick. I don't know. I'd ever pick that movie. <laughs> all right. So Whiplash. Yep, so next week, people, you, you'll get to listen to us talk about the movie Whiplash. Uh, thanks for listening, mm. and um, yeah, talk to you next time. Thanks. Take the Chevy to the living. And like that, he's gone. Ah! In case I don't see ya. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. Cinematic Leap.